True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, among others. They'll do all of that so you can do literally anything else. You have better things to do with your free time than focus on your lawn care. Let True Green take care of all the hard work it takes to get a great lawn while you take care of everything else on your to-do list. You can trust True Green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise, which gives you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. Think about how hard it is to manage our fantasy baseball teams. You need all the time you can get to put in waiver wire claims, fab bids, send out trades, and set your lineups. You'll have that extra time when True Green is taking care of your lawn. You do you, let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, guaranteed. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. High drive, center field, hit the wall, grand slam. This is magnificent. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. Happy Monday, everybody. And if you are watching us live on YouTube, welcome into a very late edition of Fantasy Baseball Today. Frank Sample joined by Scott White and Chris Towers. A wild weekend of baseball. Michael Kopech looks like a stud. Madison Bumgarner threw a seven-inning no-hitter. Does it actually count? And I yes. should, I should have to eat three hats based on how well Fernando Tatis is playing. So, oh my. <laughs> the guy is just unreal. So... He's healthy. Hope you didn't trade him away. He looks ridiculous. He's Fernando Tatis. What is up, fellas? How was the weekend? Good. I had I had one of the best meals of my life <laughs> on Saturday night at Casa Enrique in Long Island City. If you're ever around, they don't do reservations, so you have to wait in line. It was about an hour. Oh, damn. The mole chicken was one of the best things I've ever eaten in my life, and I almost didn't get it because I was just going to go tacos. And then the waiter was like, well, the mole chicken is what we're known for. And I was like, you know what? Let's add that to the order. And I ate way too much. It wasn't instead of. No, no. That was just like (laughs) my wife and I split six tacos. And then I was like, yes. And I will also have the mole chicken, please. And I ate all of it. And we had three rounds of desserts for our table of four. It was a lot. I couldn't move when I got home. But (laughs) the mole chicken is like out of this world good if you're ever in long island city or new york in general even if you're in like south jersey make the drive up casa enrique we've become the podcast that talks about new york restaurants apparently we're we're that podcast yeah did we talk about another one people are gonna hate us but it's fine it's fine (laughs) i've never been to new york (laughs) you should come it's a great city (laughs) come hang out scott yeah, yeah, come on! I gotta. The, you can see how small my my second bedroom is. This is we we yeah. can fit literally one mattress. Okay, we got an air mattress for you. All right, let's go. Let's probably make not it happen, kids, Scott. We got a million probably things to talk about. <laughs> let's uh, let's move on from the mole chicken. Although it does sound phenomenal, I'll give you that, Chris. Oh my good goodness gracious! That was that was my response to the mole chicken. <laughs> Chris being like wheeled out of the restaurant in a wheelchair and just like loaded into a cab somewhere. Scott, what are you going to start it? Oh my goodness gracious from this weekend. 
Well, I guess I should start in the most obvious place, certainly the most top of mind place, and that place is Michael Kopech, who did something I wasn't expecting to see, frankly, at all this year, and and certainly not so soon. He had a five-inning start for the White Sox, uh, second start he made he has made. The first, though, it was only three innings, and and the plan coming into the season was to keep him in the bullpen. To keep him in the bullpen, multi-inning reliever. He missed all of 2020. He missed all of 2019. They wanted to be extra cautious with him, but they let him go five innings. They let him throw 87 pitches. He struck out 10. He looked really good. He looks better than Dylan Cease, pretty clearly. So the question is, will he replace Dylan Cease? Because I think if we knew the answer to like, if we knew the answer to that, and, and it was yes then everybody would need to rush and pick him up, obviously, wherever he is, wherever he's still available. I, I think he's pretty widely available, actually. He's 66% rostered on CBS. Yeah, I thought it was less than that. I know he was available in Tout Wars just two weeks ago, and that's a 15-teamer. But anyway, it doesn't sound like that's in the plans. It, it sounds like uh, with, with uh, Lance Lynn expected back Friday, I believe, Kopech's going to have to return to the rotation. That's that's according to Scott Merkin, beat writer for MLB.com. So, gotta you gotta temper your enthusiasm because of that. But like, it it may only be a matter of time. Dylan Cease uh, does does not seem to. Uh, I, I don't think he has it. I don't think he has it. Certainly not this year. No. Yeah, uh, and not any of the prior years either. So at some point. Probably just got to call it, but problem with Kopech is just, it's like, it's hard to see him having much value in a head to head points league. Right. Like well, if he's going to go five. Yeah. If he's going to go five, but that's just one shy of six. Yeah, that is. That's true. <laughs> six does come after five. Yeah. Um, but like how many innings could he realistically throw this year? He hasn't thrown since 2018. And obviously last year it wasn't because of injury. It was because he sat out the season. But like, yeah. could he realistically throw 120 innings this season? He's thrown 140 before. Yeah, I, I, I think 120 would be the, the tippy top amount. But, you know, if, if, they keep him, if they keep him out of the rotation until mid-May, let's say, in another month, late May, another month with uh, suffering through cease, you know, I'd... They'll they'll still have to be careful with him, but he could conceivably yeah. be starting the rest of the season. You know, skipping a turn here and there. I think yeah. it's possible. It's tough to yeah. say for sure. Like that's why it, you know people are asking us questions on Twitter. Should I drop Luis Castillo for Kopech? Kopech looked amazing. There's no doubt about that. It's just hard to say one way or another. Is is he going to remain in the rotation or is he going to be bouncing back and forth? And I think. That's probably yeah. more likely is the latter there. And uh, I actually saw a really interesting quote from this. He had 14 whiffs on, on 87 pitches. 11 of those came on the fastball. And he said, I feel like right now I'm throwing a better fastball than I did when I had a 100 mile per hour fastball. I know what's going on in my body and in my mechanics every time that I throw a fastball. Whereas before the goal was more so let's try to throw this as hard as I can. So he's really maturing yeah. as a pitcher. And I, I loved what I've seen from him. But uh, Scott, it's like, is he a must-add? Do you just do whatever you can to make sure he's on your roster in case he does remain in the rotation? Should this be closer to 80 90% roster rate on CBS? 
I I don't think so. And I, okay. obviously, I'm I'm thinking of those twelve team head to head points leagues where you have five bench spots to mess with, and and I'm thinking of how some of my benches look there and who I would have to consider dropping for Kopech. Uh, and that's in like a 12-team league, not even going as shallow as 10 teams. There are a lot of 10-team leagues out there. So like, who's a who's a bottom-of-the-bench guy for me in such a league? Would you like, drop would, Dylan Cease, his teammate, for him? Oh, that's easy. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't think you're going to... I wouldn't expect to redeem anything from Dylan Cease. Would you drop... What about, a guy every- you were, what about a guy you were agonizing over before the show? What about Logan Webb? Yeah, I think that's easy, too. I'm, I'm thinking shallower than that. How about Casey um, Mize? Who's yeah. allowed 11 earned runs over his last two starts? You're yeah. giving me easy ones here. We need a hard one. How, all right, jo- Jordan Montgomery. He's 77 percent rostered. He has a 6.23 ERA over his last three starts. That's getting harder, but I still think that's a yeah. I, I could drop. I could live with in a, in a shallow league, especially where it's a, this is just the last guy on your bench. Mm-hmm. Montgomery. Um, I, I don't think there's a chance he he figures things out and is awesome from this point forward. But the odds are pretty low that you're going to miss him in a in a league that shallow. Patrick Corbin. Yeah. How about Jamison Tyone? 89% rostered. Hmm. You might be able to get away with it in a shallow enough league. I, I'd be hesitant. I, I still I still feel pretty good about Jamison Tyone. What about Madison Bumgarner? I would rather pick up Kopech than Bumgarner. Yeah. Like, <laughs> let me let me see if I can find. I can't, I'm not, I'm not good at coming up with a top of mind here. Let's talk about Madison Bumgarner, who you just mentioned, Chris, and seven no-hit innings on Sunday, which it was a doubleheader, so it technically was it was a, a no-hitter. no-hitter. It was a no-hitter. It was a no-hitter. The <laughs> idea that this shouldn't count as a no-hitter is ridiculous. I don't care. Like, it's not like, well, it's less impressive than a real no. And like, I don't care. We don't like look at a no-hitter against the Marlins and say. Well, if it had been against the Dodgers, it would have been a real note. Like, no, that's not how we do this. The game was scheduled for seven innings. He threw a complete game. It was not shortened because of rain. It was the game that was scheduled. And he threw, he gave up zero hits while throwing a complete game in a game that lasted the amount of time it was supposed to last. It was a no hitter. It's stupid with an to a- think that it with shouldn't. an asterisk on the, on the end, Chris. Fine, whatever. <laughs> Who cares? All right, let's just talk about his performance. Seven strikeouts against the Braves. It, I mean, it was, I don't know what's going on with the Atlanta Braves offense. Zach Gallon looked phenomenal against him as well. But for Madison Bumgarner, 10 swinging strikes on 98 pitches. And I noticed the velocity up on all three of the pitches that he used on Sunday. And the fastball in particular, 91.1 miles per hour he averaged. Back in 2019, which is the last time he was really fantasy relevant, he averaged 91.4 miles per hour on the fastball. So if Bumgarner is getting back to that level, then he might actually have some fantasy value. He's 47% rostered, and this week he faces the Colorado Rockies. Chris, your interest level in Madison Bumgarner? Pretty low. Okay. So you just wanted like. to rant about his no-hitter, but you don't, you don't like him. <laughs> yeah, like it should be a no-hitter, but that if doesn't those- mean like I don't, I don't want to add every player who's ever thrown a no-hitter. You know, like I, I'd rather have shout out to Philip Philip Humber, Philip Humber, yeah, perfect game. I'd rather have Danny Duffy than Madison Bumgarner for sure. Yeah, um, that's. Fair. I'd rather have Domingo Armand. I'd rather have Christian Javier. Um, yeah, I think I might rather have Alex Cobb, and he has Ooh. not been great in his last couple of starts. But yeah, I, I can't I agree just, with that. I think there's more upside there. If 
if Bumgarner sustains his velocity from today, I think he's going to be plenty useful. I mean, it's a big if, obviously. It's just one start, and this is the hardest he's thrown all year. But it, it is back to to 2019 standards. Uh, and really, prior to that, too, right? I mean, 91 on his fastball. He, he averaged that for a few years. That was, yeah, basically since the uh, the dirt bike accident. I think he's yeah. been right around yeah. there at his mm-hmm. best. Uh, so... Any any two hits in five innings in his previous start. So this was two good starts in a row for Bumgarner after three awful ones. Um, I the the question that came up when I was just putting in free agent bids in my leagues, Cor- Patrick Corbin was available in one of them, and Bumgarner was, and like, wow, which would I rather have of those two? Because uh, Corbin Corbin went, went right back to being awful. Yeah, I ended up having Corbin ahead, but it was it yeah. was a little bit of a debate there. A few other waiver wire pitchers that might be available that I think are probably in the same conversation. Brady Singer threw seven innings of one run ball over the weekend. I would rather have him than Madison Bumgarner, though he's only throwing two pitches. His underlying numbers are really, really good right now. So Singer is one. Robbie Ray I would rather have than Madison Bumgarner. Had a really great start. Six shutout with nine strikeouts this weekend. Kyle Gibson is another one where we've waited forever for him to be something. And, you know, so far he's been great. He's throwing this new cutter and he just did it against the White Sox as well, which is a tough matchup in Chicago. So Kyle Gibson is that last name that I would personally put ahead of Madison Bumgarner. But once you get past those three, I think if you're looking for a waiver wire pitcher, uh, Bumgarner is a name that I would look at. Chris, you're oh my goodness gracious from this weekend. Uh, Dustin May. Like I feel like if you had told everyone he was going to have like a 34%, 35% strikeout even through four starts. And we talked about this a little in the last, uh, I think it might have been Friday or Thursday. Um, I think we spoke about it off he, the air, actually. Yeah, he's doing like everything you would have. Like if Dustin, made the, the way I would put it, and I put it about Vladimir Guerrero in the same column, they were both rankings risers earlier last week. If Dustin May were breaking out, this is what it would look like. He's throwing his curveball and his cutter more and his sinker less. He's getting swings and misses on three different pitches now, whereas last year he was primarily, you know, 50% sinker guy. He's got a really, he's got like a 15% whiff rate. He's got like a 35% strikeout rate. He's still not giving up any hard contact. He's still getting a ton of ground balls. You know, like once per game, he seems to give up a home run where he like looks like he's trying to hurdle as soon as he gives releases the ball. It's a very funny reaction every time he gives up a home run. But, um, Again, if Dustin May were breaking out, it would look exactly like this. And I think there are still concerns about workload and how much the Dodgers will let him throw and whether they'll pull him out of the rotation at some point. But he sure looks like an ace right now. Yep. And he just did it against one of the best lineups in baseball against the Padres. Six innings of one run ball, 10 strikeouts to just one walk. He has now 32 strikeouts in... 21 and a third innings pitched. So it's been phenomenal for uh, Dustin May. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I'd say about him looking like an ace is his innings. It's been six innings, four and a third innings, five innings, six innings. Yep. That's, and and that's what I worry about with him all season long. I mean, obviously he can be a useful fantasy pitcher if he's striking out more than a batter per inning and has great ratios. And he's at like 13 right now. Yeah. He has great ratios across the board. Um, but I also don't expect him to make much more than 20 starts this year. 
maybe maybe a little more, maybe Ooh. maybe a couple dozen starts. But I don't think See, he's going to stay in the rotation all season long. Classic buy low, sell high situation. If you guys can, would you sell Dustin May for Luis Castillo, who we are getting a ton of questions about, who once sure. again on Sunday, five innings pitched, four earned runs, only three strikeouts, two more homers allowed. He has a 6.29 ERA and a 1.60 whip to this point yeah. in the season. I would. You would? Scott? Yeah. I mean, if Chris would, I guess I would too. I'm, I'm getting a little worried about Castillo because the velocity is... Eh, velocity, it's not down, velocity. It's not down drastically, but it and, and the fact that he's not getting as many swinging strikes with it being down. Yo, know, he hasn't gotten pummeled since that first start. It's just been kind of not good enough to win anything, you know. Yep. Um, and so, there, there was no whiffs on Sunday either. I mean, five. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Five swinging yeah. strikes on eighty-five pitches. It's, so I'm getting a little concerned, but I would still rank him ahead of of May and. I would still consider him a buy low, but not not when I'd be buying low with gusto, I guess. What do you do with Castillo this week? He's at home against the Cubs. You start him there? Start I him. try to sit him. I nice. tried it. Uh, I, let me see. Who did I sit him for? And I want to cite these examples, but then I can't remember them. No, so, right. so I'll just point out in 2018, in March and April, he had a 7.85 ERA, 24 strikeouts, and 28.2 innings. But obviously, that was like a 17% strikeout rate because he faced 131 batters in those 28.2 innings. And he was really bad. And then the rest of the season, he had a 3.57 ERA. So yeah, I, I remember not being as worried about him then um, as I am now. Well, your expectations are higher now, and like I, I can get being worried that he won't be a top 12 or top 10 starting pitcher like we ranked him as. But I, I just, I think it's worth not, not holding him to an unfair standard and saying, well, if we thought he was going to be a top 10 pitcher, he's been so disappointing and your, your expectations might be so much lower than that, that now it's like, well, you know, like I still think he's going to be a top 20 starting pitcher at this point. Like moving forward, obviously, I think it'd be a little surprising if he finished as a top twenty starting pitcher now. But I'm I'm not worried. Again. So I'm starting. I'm I'm sitting him in favor of Luzardo against the Orioles in one league. I also have Rodon against the Tigers in the lineup. Bundy at Seattle in the lineup. He's a team with pretty good pitching, but you know, mm-hmm. certainly like a ten. All the ten teamers out there would be able to relate to this probably. Quick shout out to two of the best in the game. Already mentioned Fernando Tatis, who was just ridiculous this weekend. That whole series with the Dodgers was so fun. just awesome baseball to watch. Uh, seven hits for Tatis, five homers, six RBI, eight runs, two steals in that series alone. And Jacob DeGrom, who I think is probably the number one asset in fantasy baseball right now. Complete game shutout, two hits, zero walks, 15 strikeouts against the Nationals. He has 43 strikeouts over his last three starts. He's the number one player in Roto. He's averaging 29 fantasy points per game. To put that in perspective, Garrett Cole is averaging 23.6. Shane Bieber is averaging 22.3. DeGrom is just built different. Before we get to the news and notes, I have to talk to you about the CBS Sports mobile app. As you know, it's my go-to for live scores and breaking news, but it's NFL Draft Week, and I wanted to let you in on a little football fan hack here. If you don't have the app, you can download it on your mobile app store. The CBS Sports app is always totally free. Once you have the app, 
or if you already have the app, make sure your NFL team news and draft alerts are turned on via the setting screen. It takes about five seconds. You'll not only get updates on each pick your team makes, but also when the pick is in. Breaking news if your team makes a big trade and lightning fast analysis like draft grades and player comps for each of your team's draft picks. The CBS Sports app is the best way to never miss an NFL draft moment. So if you haven't, fire Open the CBS Sports mobile app and get your mobile war room ready ahead of the action this Thursday. News and notes from the weekend. Mike Trout missed each game against the Astros. Trout was hit by a pitch on his elbow Thursday. Joe Madden does not think Trout will land on the IL. Christian Yelich is currently on the IL. He was sent for an MRI for his back this weekend, which he did not have any structural issues. There is currently no timetable for Christian Yelich's return. Hyunjin Ryu was lifted from his start Sunday due to a right glute strain. Manager Charlie Montoyo said that there is a chance Ryu could be ready to make his next scheduled start. Uh, there is a good chance George Springer is activated Tuesday for the Blue Jays. Would you guys be all right just throwing him back in the lineup? Five outfielder league, sure. Yeah. And Davey Garcia has been confirmed as Monday starter against the Orioles for the New York Yankees. Apparently, I, I've seen different reports. Um, the Yankees are apparently transitioning to a six-man rotation. I like I couldn't. Yeah, I, confirm I, I, it I couldn't anywhere. find a clear answer on that. Yeah, just some speculation um, uh, because Gar of something Aaron Boone said back in spring training. Basically, right. <laughs> if Garcia stays in the rotation, then Domingo Herman is not going to be a two-star pitcher. Davy Garcia will, but. Mm -hmm. For the purposes of my two-star pitcher rankings, I, I'm just assuming this is a one-shot deal for Garcia. And look, it may depend on how he performs. Mm -hmm. If he gets throttled, then it'll be pretty easy to send him back down. If he doesn't, then not so much. I hope he sticks. Garcia is 38. He's really exciting. He's 38% rostered, and, and that start on Monday is against the Orioles. And his if he does have a second start, it would be against the Tigers. So two pretty damn good matchups if, if it is a two-star week. Uh, Chris, how imperative is... Is it that you add Garcia to your fantasy team? Oh, it's not imperative, but okay. I might rather take a shot on him than Bumgarner. What do you think, Scott? Garcia or Bumgarner? I, I'd go Mad Bum. I'm less confident that Garcia sticks, probably. But, you know, I might change my mind depending well, on the Monday start goes. I look at it this way. I'm probably not starting either of them in any leagues, no matter what, this week. Mm -hmm. And I think Garcia's got more upside, so... I'd rather give him a shot this week if he gets sent back down. No harm, no foul. Trey Turner left Sunday's game in the eighth inning after he was hit by a pitch in his left forearm elbow area. Joe Madden said that Anthony Rendon will be activated either Monday or Tuesday. Max Stassi will also come off the IL any day now, according to Joe Madden. Uh, Ronald Acuna returned to action this weekend. He missed two starts with that abdominal strain last week. Noah Syndergaard threw one inning in an intra-squad game. He apparently hit 97 miles per hour with his fastball. He won't be eligible to return from Tommy John surgery until the end of May at the earliest. We probably don't see Syndergaard until sometime in June, maybe even July. Steven Strasburg has been throwing from 120 feet. He threw from 75 feet earlier this week. Reminder that he's dealing with shoulder inflammation. Rangers catcher prospect Sam Huff is out eight weeks after knee surgery. He hit three home runs in 10 games last year. He does have a lot of pop, but he's going to miss at least the next two months. Christian Pache was reinstated from the 10-day IL and then optioned to the alternate training site on Saturday. Guillermo Heredia has remained in the Braves starting lineup as their center fielder. Yadier Molina exited Friday's game with right foot soreness. He missed Saturday and Sunday's game. So 
pay attention for news on that on, I don't know if they play on Monday or Tuesday, the Cardinals do, but uh, I guess there's a chance that he could sit out a few more games. The Brewers placed both Brett Anderson and Josh Lindblom on the 10-day IL. Jordan Romano returned on Saturday, and his fastball velocity was down two miles per hour. What is going on in the Blue Jays' bullpen? Rafael Dolis picked up two saves this weekend. Yeah. Is he the guy? I would imagine so. I mean, especially given the way they used Romano off the IL, that they they didn't save him for a save situation. They brought him in the eighth, and he struggled, and he wasn't throwing as hard. Uh, and then we saw Dolis get a save the next day, right? So, yeah, I would. I, I don't know if it's going to remain that way. Obviously, I. I but if you're if you're picking one Blue Jays reliever to roster right now, I think it has to be Delise. Delise is 22 percent rostered on CBS, so he is out there in a ton of leagues. If you need saves in any type of categories league, you should be looking at Rafael Delise. Jago Dorizzi exited his start on Saturday with right forearm tightness. Corey Knebel was placed on the IL and will miss multiple months with a lat strain. Zach McKinstry will miss more than the minimum time on the 10-day IL with a right oblique strain. Luis Patino was called up by the Rays on Sunday. Obviously, a very heralded prospect they received in the Blake Snell trade. He opened the game with two and two-thirds shutout with three strikeouts. Chris, is there anything to see here with Luis Patino? He's 22% rostered. I don't know what their plan, if their plans are to have him make another start. I haven't, I haven't seen anything like that, but... You know, if he was going to stick in the rotation, sure. I think it's, you know, definitely someone who's worth chasing as a talented pitcher. I just, I would be a little surprised, I guess. Michael Fulmer, Michael Fulmer had another abbreviated start on Sunday because he was pitching on short rest. Scott, are we holding Michael Fulmer? I don't think it's a must. It depends how badly you need need pitching. I, uh, in a 15 team league, I opted to drop him. I can't yeah. remember who it was for. <laughs> Again. Yeah, I, uh, I, uh, I have not shared your collective enthusiasm for Fulmer. Just, he was never that good when he was good, you know? Like, well, I, I, hope of, he, I hope he's good. Even if he's good, he's not going to get a lot of strikeouts. Yeah. So if, if they're going to do this innings thing with him on top of it, yeah, I have a hard time getting enthusiastic about it. But velocity has been up for all three of his starts. Slider's been looked good like it did pre-Tommy John. So he, he does appear to be on the right track. I just he, he just feels more like a deeper league option right now. Again, that is Michael Fulmer with the Detroit Tigers. Aaron Hicks was out of the lineup Sunday due to back tightness. Brett Gardner started in center field. Mike Talkman in left. Lorenzo Cain is nearing a return from the IL as he rehabs his quad. Mike Moustakis was taking reps at third base prior to Sunday's game. He was placed on the IL last week with a non-COVID-related illness. Jose Altuve is trending towards an early week return as he recovers from testing positive for COVID. Tommy Pham left Sunday's game against the Dodgers with left calf, calf tightness, and Mike Yastrzemski left with oblique tightness. Email of the day. This one's from Kevin. Subject line was, does John Gray exist? In five starts, John Gray is 3-1. He has four quality starts, 2.54 ERA, 1.09 whip, 27 strikeouts, and 28 and a third innings pitched. And four of five games were at cores. All five opponents are top 10 in weighted on base average. That's the Phillies, Astros, D-backs, and the Dodgers twice. Uh, twice. He might be traded, John Gray. So things are very likely to get easier for him moving forward. Is it possible for a Rockies pitcher to get any respect? Any respect for John Gray? I thought about adding him in a 15-league <laughs> team league today. 
it's just it's just so hard with Rockies pitchers, and obviously he has a track record. You, you know, we we know when John Gray is good, what he looks like as a Rockies pitcher. He might have a sub four ERA. He'll probably have a WHIP over one three, with a little more than a strikeout per inning. He's not even at a strikeout per inning as well as he's done this yeah. year, and the walk rate is high. So you know, I'm willing to say that the awful 2020 for John Gray was that looks like the aberration and he's probably going to be an okay-ish pitcher. But I, I don't, you know, I, I don't think there's any need to bend over backward for him. I don't mind the matchup this week. He's at Arizona to face the Diamondbacks. He's 60% rostered, John Gray is. Chris, would you rather add Gray or Madison Bumgarner? Uh, probably Gray. I feel like I'd be more likely to use him this week. And so I'm, I'm not sure with either of those guys, you should be thinking much longer than that. But, you know. Like I agree with everything Scott said. Like the best case scenario is he's fine. Mm-hmm. Look, if he gets traded, that sure. should definitely that help could, him. Yeah. But I mean, we're not going to add him now with you know right. the assumption that that's going to happen. You know, if you if you manage to have him on your team when it happens, and sure, I mean his value goes way up. And I was thinking the same thing for Herman Marquez. I don't know that he's as likely to be traded, but I don't. Is this a buy high, a buy medium scenario? Because he now has three quality starts in five tries. Herman Marquez has a 3.45 ERA. Uh, his whip is inflated because he had six walks on opening day. But four of his five starts have already come at home. He's got a 60% ground ball rate, a 13% swinging strike rate. I'm, those are pretty impressive numbers for Herman Marquez. So I'm just wondering if you can yeah. buy him for cheaper than he should be because he is a rocky starting pitcher. I'm a lot more confident than Herman Marquez would. Like he might be a top 20 starting pitcher if he got traded. I really think Herman Marquez might be an ace. I mean, you look at his career away from course field and it's a 3.53 ERA, almost a strikeout per inning, 1.1 whip. Like that's probably a top 20 starting pitcher, especially because he goes deep into games consistently. And I have him on a lot of teams because, you know, I, I think even with the Rockies, I think he was probably being a little undervalued coming in, but I wouldn't trade for him expecting him to get traded. It would be smart of the Rockies to trade him, but historically you can't really count on the Rockies to do smart things. So <laughs> he probably retires with them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, that's very likely. Um, yeah, no, I just think if there's leagues where, you know, someone kind of drafted him and they didn't really know what to expect and, you know, you can get him for cheaper than he's worth, which is, I, I don't like, he's probably just inside the top 50 starting pitchers, which I think makes has, sense. Has Coors Field really played like Coors Field yet? It, uh, it's been cold, right? It's been yeah, it's been snowing for some of their night. games, like uh, legitimately I have not snowing. <laughs> yeah, but I can check. Uh, yeah, let us know about that, Chris. Uh, but we are going to take a quick break. When we return, there's a few players that we need to talk about. What is going on with these? Either from a really good perspective or really bad perspective. We'll talk about it next here on Fantasy Baseball Today. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. 
And what makes a home is more than just the house or property, it's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on Fantasy Baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. We already spoke about Luis Castillo, and I wanted to go to someone more positive. Andrew Heaney, guy has been ridiculous. At the Houston Astros this weekend, six and a third, one earned run, 10 strikeouts to zero walks, 17 swinging strikes on 101 pitches. 67% rostered is Andrew Heaney. He's at the Seattle Mariners this week, which is a great matchup. I think he was actually one of your sleepers this upcoming week, Scott. Uh, Based on the underlying numbers, I, I... I feel like we should be talking about Andrew Heaney. What do you think? Well, I mean, we've seen him strike out a bunch before, obviously. And his best ERA since, okay, 2015, he had an ERA below three. But it's in more recent years where he's been a big strikeout pitcher. And the best ERA he's had during that time is 415. Seems to be really vulnerable to the long ball. Has only given up one home run so far this year. So I can't. I don't really see anything Heaney's doing differently that makes me say, okay, he's turned the corner here. He's going. He's figured out how to get the most out of that strikeout ability, and uh, this is going to be a breakthrough season. I think it it might just be an issue of he he's had good home run luck so far. I would trust somebody like Danny Duffy over Andrew Heaney if you're talking rest of season, just because I I see him doing different things and uh, and having success we haven't seen him have before, or at least not in a very long time because of it. Yeah, he does have a higher ground ball rate than he's had in a long time. He's a weird pitcher because he's primarily a sinker thrower, 59%. It's always right around 58% like clockwork. Uh, But he throws that sinker up in the zone a lot, which helps him get a lot of whiffs. I think he's got one of the highest whiff rates of any uh, sinker thrower. I think Steven Matz is also kind of similar to that. But I think it also leaves him extremely susceptible to the home run, like Scott said. And, you know, for his career, he is probably one of those pitchers for whom XFIP really, really doesn't tell you the story about him because XFIP assumes a neutral home run to fly ball rate. And for his career, he's at 15% with a 397 XFIP versus a 444 ERA, which is actually a pretty big gap. Uh, to have over you know 500 plus innings, so I, I think like he's interesting. I I think him versus Danny Duffy's really interesting. I would certainly rather have him than Bumgarner to go back to it, not to like sure, you know. And, and I'd rather have. Him I don't want to. I don't want to make it <laughs> seem like I'm crapping on Bumgarner because mm-hmm. you know, obviously he's got a, had a great career, and I hope he really is figuring something out here. But yeah, like Heaney, I, I still think is like a top 70 ish pitcher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have him 64th. So, would you guys rather have Heaney or take a shot on Michael Kopech? I think I'd probably rather have Heaney. Yeah, that's interesting. 
Yeah. Depends how shallow the league is. Uh, sure. Because a shallower league, I would drop Heaney. Like, yeah. If you can if you can find Heaney types every other week, you know, whatever. Yeah. Take a shot on the upside. But if not, then I think you probably have to stick with Heaney. Sonny Gray, let's talk about it. He's only made two starts thus far. He was at the Cardinals this weekend, three and a two-thirds, five earned runs, three walks, six strikeouts. The ERA stands at 7.88 for Sonny Gray with a 5.53 expected ERA, according to StatCast. Buy low or heck no, Sonny Gray. Buy low. Yeah, if you're forcing me to, I'm not eager to go out and get him. His velocity's down a mile per hour. I think I'm both the four-seamer and two-seamer. Um, and and he just wasn't great at the end of last year. He had a very good first couple starts, and then was pretty ordinary after that. So, you know, I've I've had such an on and off again relate on again off again relationship with Sonny Gray for his entire career, but I'm I'm kind of off again right now. <laughs> he, he's in a really interesting spot in my rankings. I don't know about you guys, but I have him 32nd, which is like right behind a couple guys who have moved up ahead of him: Sandy Alcantara, Dustin May, Pablo Lopez. And then right ahead of guys like Julio Arias, Jesus Lazardo, Dylan Bundy, Trevor Rogers, mm-hmm. who I could move up up over him, but I'm not sure I'm ready to do that yet with all those guys. I've moved them ahead of Sonny Gray. I'm 37th. Yeah. Okay. I'm thinking about making that swap as well, just lowering him down a little bit in the ranks. I really like what I've seen from a lot of these Younger pitchers who are performing well right now. Dustin May is one of them. I, I definitely have to get ahead of Sonny Gray. How about yeah. Sonny Gray or, or Kevin Gosman? Who would you guys rather have? Gosman over the weekend against the Marlins. Eight innings, one run, 11 strikeouts, 21 swinging strikes on 101 pitches. 57 of those 101 pitches were splitters, which is just an insane amount. He is a top 13 starting pitcher in both formats right now. Kevin Gosman is. Who would you rather have between him and Sonny Gray? Gosman. I'd rather have Gosman. I was waiting to see this kind of start from him because he had he had been succeeding in spite of not having a lot of whiffs and splitter usage is something we normally see go up over the course of the year. But I mean, if he's already thrown it more than half the time, he's he's in a pretty good spot. It's still Gosman for me for now. It's you're saying it like you had it bef- you had Gosman ranked ahead of him before. Did you mean Sonny Gray, Chris? Sorry, sorry, still Gray for me. Before. Okay. Yeah, just okay. making sure there. Um, yeah, I I think I'm going to move Gosman ahead of Sonny Gray. Just I, I was kind of skeptical on Gosman for the reasons you gave us, Chris, before the season started when he mm-hmm. wasn't throwing his splitter in spring training. I was actually yeah, no, kind of worried about that. But, I mean, the guy has been ridiculous. I will say, with the caveat, look, it's against the Marlins. And before we started, I said, I, I think the Marlins are the best matchup for a starting pitcher right now because without Starling Marte in that lineup, they, they just really don't have a lot of thump. So... I think they're kind of in that same category as the Pirates and the Tigers, and and those are probably the three best matchups for starting only, pitcher right now. Yeah, I'll just point out in 2019, that was the most he'd ever thrown his, sli- his splitter before this season. Actually, I think it might still be his slight, slightly highest splitter usage. He threw it 37.7% of the time in 2019, and he was pretty awful. You know, he had a 572 ERA in 2019. So, you yeah, know, ho- I, hopefully... I, he was he was obviously a lot better last year, and yes, he already has more six inning starts than he did all of last year, which I also see as an encouraging sign. Yeah, he's he's kind of developing into an ace, which something I, I didn't think they we would ever say. Be. They they paid him. Uh, they what what is it called when they they pay the amount? I can't think of what the the term is, but oh, you know, know they they put it. Yeah. 
Oh, they, they gave him the, the, one, the qualifying the one, offer. Yeah, yeah, the qualifying he, offer. They, they gave him the $17 million 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 yes, qualifying and he accepted offer. it. He accepted yeah, right. it. So they obviously gave it to him. He was the most borderline player that it was given to, and they were willing to pay him that amount to keep him around for a year. Let's talk about his teammate, Alex Wood, who also against Tim Harlan, seven innings of one-run ball, seven strikeouts, 14 whiffs on 97 pitches. And I think the eye-opener for Alex Wood is obviously being able to throw this many pitches without getting hurt in a game and, and obviously throwing this many innings. Uh, he's 34% rostered, and he is at home against the Colorado Rockies this week. I'm pretty interested in, in Alex Wood, at least for this matchup. I think his next one after that is at Colorado, so you don't love that, but... Uh, Chris, your interest level in Alex Wood. Uh, any league where he's SPARP eligible for points and probably 15 teams. Okay. That's probably it, but yeah. Well, any- I was prioritizing him over Bumgarner, but if if Byron Buxton is the player Chris has never been able to quit, then Alex Wood is the player <laughs> I've never been able to quit. I like that he's averaging 91.3 on his fastball or about around 91 in both of these starts. That's on the higher end of what he's averaged over the years. Not the very highest, but it's it's good for him. The last name I wanted to mention is actually a hitter. We haven't talked a lot about hitters so far, but uh, Eugenio Suarez, man. What is going on with this gentleman? He is now batting 141 with a 38% strikeout rate. Buy low or heck no. Eugenio Suarez. By low, for sure. Yep. You have confidence in him bouncing back, Chris? Yeah. I like, I don't know. Maybe he's like taking his defensive, you know, maybe that's making it harder for him to hit. You see that sometimes when guys are playing a different position. Um, but he's been too good over the last couple of years for me to, to get off of him. I know last year wasn't great, but the underlying numbers were still very good. This year, like he's he's slumping. He's got a you know really high strikeout rate. He actually had a higher strikeout rate at one point in uh, August and September of 2019. Uh, he had a 37 percent stri- strikeout rate over a 27 20 game stretch back in July of 2019 too. So I just that was the area of 49 home runs, right? Yeah. So it's just it's important to remember that sometimes sometimes guys just slump. Yeah. You know, sometimes not not every cold start is a something's wrong with this guy. Sometimes it's just like, this is the the natural ebb and flow of a season. And this will happen at de- different points of the season. And if it happens in September, you don't notice it really. Mm-hmm. 100%. I think that's a good thing to remind people who are currently concerned about proven players. Uh, you know, Glaber Torres is one that comes to mind. Luis Castillo, we yeah. spoke about earlier, but um, Eugenio Suarez, the strikeouts have been the real issue. It's 38% strikeout rate a 16.6% swinging strike rate, uh, which would be the highest of his career. But Chris has faith in him bouncing back. Let's talk about a few more hitters that might be available on your waiver wire. And let's first talk about two middle infielders. We'll kind of do this by position. And and Colton Wong returned on Friday. He has seven hits. He had seven hits over the weekend, including a home run and a steal. He's 61% rostered. And the other name, Nico Horner, who started all three games for the Cubs this weekend. We spoke about him being called up on Friday's podcast, but he picked up four hits and two RBI. I will let you know his roster rate in just a second. But if you're just looking for one second base or middle infield type player, Scott, who would you rather have between Colton Wong and Nico Horner? Well, Nico Horner's playing time path isn't nearly as clear. Um, So that's something to keep in mind. But if you're just... If you're shooting for upside, I feel like he's the upside play. Wong does have a 
few things going for him that you could see how this turns into the best year of his career, batting leadoff for the Brewers, um, playing in a smaller park than he ever has before. Of course, one that's better for power. Stolen bases have been up and down for him over the years, and I think I think Horner, if he gets regular playing time, it's a pretty good chance of matching Wong in that regard. But I, I think I think there's a chance Horner turns into a must-start player, even like a shallow 12-team league. And he has shortstop eligibility in addition to second, so I, I think I'd prioritize him of those two. A few outfielders from the weekend. Adolis Garcia, the guy just continues to crush it. He has eight hits over his last six games, including four home runs. He's 34% rostered. Uh, Willie Calhoun has started three games in a row for the Texas Rangers. He has four hits in those games. He hit a game-tying home run off Liam Hendricks, actually, on Saturday on a pitch that was like high and away, way out of the zone. And I was actually really impressed by the bat speed for Willie Calhoun there, but admittedly, I... I have a soft spot for Willie. I've, I've wanted him to be a thing forever. Uh, Willie Calhoun is 33% rostered. Ryan Maltapia is now on a seven-game hitting streak. He's batting 306, 52% rostered. And Alex Kirilov, who we spoke a lot about on Friday, was called up for the Twins. He is now rostered in 63% of CBS leagues, and he went a solid 0 for 11 this weekend. So, Chris, if you were looking for an outfielder among Adelise Garcia, Willie Calhoun, Ryan Maltapia... Alex Kirilov, how would you rank those four gentlemen? I think I would probably prioritize Kirilov still. I think the upside makes that worth doing. But like, it's possible that Alex Kirilov will go unclaimed in your league. Um, you know, Obviously, we're recording this on Monday, so a lot of the waiver wire claims will have gone in last night. And I would assume Adolis Garcia will be higher than 34%, probably maybe double that. But if he does go unclaimed after you're listening to this, I think there's a better chance he gets claimed than Alex Kirilov at this point. So, you know, if you're trying to game that out, maybe Garcia should be the priority. But uh, if we're talking about like which one I think is going to be better by the end of the season, I would would pick Kirilov. A few corner infielders wanted to mention Austin Riley has six hits over his last five games, including two home runs. CJ Crone had four hits on Sunday including his third home run in five games. So he is getting hot. He's 46% rostered. Jesus Aguilar, who has stopped eating, uh, what was it, arugula? Which, no more arugula. No more arugula. He's just going to eat the, the Venezuelan stuff, is what he said. I got to go on that diet. Actually, I mean, I kind of already have, but talk about it later. Arugula is uh, the worst. <laughs> it's so bad. You know, I like a little arugula salad. You know, you chop up some uh, like sweet peppers, maybe a little cherry tomatoes. It's do so a little bad. like, you know. Olive I, I oil tr- dressing. Maybe I try to eat. I try mm. to eat a salad for lunch like three days a week. Get the get the spring mix from the grocery store, right? And whenever they sneak arugula into that spring mix, like you know it, <laughs> you know it before you even bite into it. You get this whiff of it. it smells like wet dog hair, and you're like, oh no, am I gonna have to force my way through this 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 plate of arugula? And then you just make yourself a peanut butter and jelly sandwich instead. Well, Jesus Aguilar uh, not eating arugula has has helped in the power department because he is homered in three straight. He is now batting 284 with 17 RBI, 11 walks to 10 strikeouts for Jesus Aguilar. And J.D. Davis, Scott, maybe you were just off by a year, man. J.D. Davis, three for four on Sunday with his second home run of the season. He is 46% rostered. So, Scott, if you were looking for a corner infielder type, Austin Riley, C.J. Crone, Jesus Aguilar and J.D. Davis. Who is your favorite of that group? Uh, Davis. I mean, 
I, I have to feel like his upside is still what we saw from him two years ago, and he is not hitting. He's not hitting a ton of fly balls, but he's hitting much fewer ground balls than he did last year, which is a, a good sign. He is striking out more, so I want to see where that goes. But you know, even last year he was making hard contact, so I think there's, I think there's a chance. Maybe 2020 was just the weird off year. He doesn't have many at bats yet to really get a good read on it, but nobody has enough at bats to know what's coming. I do want to just for the deeper leagues out there, um, Adolis Garcia, who he was listed among the outfielders and Paven Smith, who you mentioned here, Frank as a corner infield option, also outfield eligible. They're both popular pickups in the 15 team leagues. I was in this weekend. Uh, Paven Smith is batting leadoff for the Diamondbacks more often than not. They faced a lot of right-handers recently. I don't know if he's going to literally play every day, but a lot of hard contact for him, too, and not many strikeouts. So it also has elevation problems like Davis, but interesting player there, Paven Smith. And uh, Garcia, you mentioned four home runs in his last six games. I mean, he's just been... Low plate discipline guy, but maybe a lot of power there. The minor league track record would seem to support that. Yeah, you're, and, uh, regarding CJ Crone, sorry, uh, they play every game on the road this week, mm-hmm. and the Rockies have 75 games on the road left to 66 at home. So just something to keep in mind that they've played 15 of their 21 games so far uh, at Coors Field, and Actually, as Scott said, Coors Field is not playing like Coors Field so far. Uh, there's a the ERA at Coors Field is four five nine, which you know is about half a run higher than the league average. And given that half those innings have been thrown by Rockies pitchers, I think it's probably uh, you know we haven't seen the Coors Field effect yet, which may just be a a sign of how bad the Rockies offense is. I, I did add Crone to my ten sleeper hitters for this week because I. It's good matchup for the Rockies, but it's hard to know how to weigh that against not yeah. being at Coors Field, you know? Yep, yep, makes sense there. Just want to quickly promote one more thing. Subscribe to our Fantasy Baseball Today newsletter at cbsports.com slash newsletters. If you haven't yet, it is free. Dan Schneier and myself, we team up for it. All the latest news, waiver ads, bullpen updates delivered right to your inbox for free each morning. There's really no reason not to if you play fantasy baseball. Uh, Again, the FBT newsletter, the link is in the podcast description, so make sure to check it out. The drop-o-meter for these starting pitchers, I mentioned a few of these names already, but let's assume a 12-team league. We will start with Casey Mize, who... 11 earned runs over his last two starts, a 5.23 ERA, a 1.45 whip overall, 61% rostered, 1 to 10 on the drop meter for Casey Mize. 10. Yeah, 9. Yusei Kikuchi at the Boston Red Sox this weekend, 4 and 2 thirds, 5 earned runs. He now has a 5.70 ERA, albeit with a 4.30 XFIP. He is 55% rostered and at the Houston Astros this week. 5. I'd rather not. But, you know. Yeah, I'll go six. I would drop him in a 12-team league. I probably would drop him for Kopech. Jordan Montgomery mentioned the name earlier. He has a 6.23 ERA over his last three starts. He is 77% rostered at the Baltimore Orioles this week. I mean, if you're not going to start him at the Orioles, you might as well drop him. I'll go six. Six for Jordan Montgomery. Uh, Dane Dunning, Mm -hmm. he got blown up 
this past weekend against uh, his former team, the White Sox, five earned runs over two and two thirds. He is 57% rostered. He's not really going deep into his stars. He's not getting a lot of whiffs, uh, but all the ERA indicators kind of line up with his 3.06 ERA. So I don't know what to make of it. What do you guys think? I'd say he's a five. I would say nine. I just don't think he's going to be that valuable in those shallower formats uh, because of the, 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 the way they're using him as like a piggyback pitcher. Dylan Cease should have been a good matchup against the Texas Rangers this weekend, and he only went three and a third. He has not completed five innings in any of his four starts. He is averaging 6.2 walks per nine, and he is still 56% rostered, but does face the Tigers this week. Where is Dylan Cease on the drop-o-meter? Ten. 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 All righty. Griffin Canning. He was at the Astros this weekend. Two and a third innings of six-run ball. 41% roster. What are we doing? He's the lowest. I would say three. Really? Yeah. Because he's been dropped in all my 15-team leagues, too. So I I was going to say ten. I like Canning. I like Canning, too. I just don't... In a 12-team league especially, I don't see the need to roster him at this point. So I'll I'll go ten actually. I would rather keep Jordan Montgomery than Griffin Canning personally. Uh, Patrick Corbin I mentioned earlier he was at the Mets this weekend four innings, uh, four earned runs. The fastball actually averaged ninety one point six miles per hour, which is was up from ninety point five miles per hour entering the start. He faces the Marlins this week. You can't get it done there. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> uh, let me see. I'm more likely to drop them than Picucci or Montgomery, so I will say seven. Ooh, wow. Four. All righty. Tristan McKenzie. We talk about him a lot, but he's still 85% rostered, so I I feel like we need to keep pushing people towards dropping him. (laughs) Yeah, I'll go 10 on that. Yeah, Yeah, I'm fine dropping him. Uh, Last one I mentioned earlier as well, Jamison Tyone has only completed five innings once so far this season. This... Strikeout rate, strikeout to walk ratio, 21 to 2. It's been fine. He's just really not going deep into starts, and the Yankees are kind of babying him. So 89% rostered. Where are we at on Jamison Tyone? Yeah, the the run to base runner ratio seems off too, in that a lot of people are scoring when they get on. And you know, the home run rate is high, so I guess that makes sense. Well, we're it's talking about a three, though. Yeah, only two, only three home runs. Never mind. Yeah, I'll say. I'll say four. I really don't want to have to drop Tyone, though. Obviously, you can't be starting him right now. Yeah, I think looking back, there there might have been a mistake in how we collectively talked about Jameson Tyone like as a fantasy industry. It should have been talked about as like, hey, this is a stash. You know, it might take him a little while to figure out. So I'd, I'd prefer not to drop him. I have so a, I'll say three. I have a bunch more names in terms of just waiver wire pitchers, and we've already talked about so many, but uh, I will throw a bunch of names at you guys, and you give me, let's say, the, your three favorite of this entire group. Uh, Mike Miner was solid this weekend. He's only 42% rostered. He's facing the Pirates this week. Brady Singer mentioned seven innings of one-run ball, 53% rostered. Waskar Enoa, six innings, two-run ball, five strikeouts against the D-backs. He is 62% rostered. JT Brubaker and Jay Hat, they both put on a show this weekend going up against each other, and they are both uh, rostered in about 40% or more of CBS leagues. Uh, Kwang Hyun Kim, five and two thirds of one run ball with eight strikeouts. Robbie Ray mentioned him, six shutout with nine strikeouts. Chris Flexen, 
has actually been solid. Seven innings, one run ball, seven strikeouts against the Red Sox. Kyle Gibson, really strong against the White Sox. Uh, Logan Webb, seven shutout against the Marlins. Adbert Alzali uh, was against the Brewers. He had seven strikeouts over four and two-thirds. So Alzali, Webb, Kyle Gibson, Flexen, Robbie Ray, Quang Hyun Kim, Brubaker, Hap, Enoa, Singer, Miner. Three favorites. I will go Singer, Ray, Gibson, and I'm kind of sad to leave some of these other names out. Yeah, I, there, there's a lot of pitchers emerging. That's you know, we got to get to all of them. What do you think, Chris? Ray Singer, Enoa. Um, oh yeah, I got I got to go Enoa over Gibson. Sorry. Yeah, and I th- yeah, that's not that's my top three. Yeah. So I guess if it was a if it was a four. Then we can go with Singer, Enoa, Robbie Ray, and Kyle Gibson. Uh, let's yeah, yeah, I know, but I hate leaving out Alzali. <laughs> I, I I think Logan JT Webb was really good. I think JT Brubaker's getting kind of interesting actually, and his name yeah. sounds like a Kramer alias on Seinfeld, so that's <laughs> that's fun too. JT Brubaker. I, I can't laugh at that joke like I know what it means, so I'm just not going to laugh at it. Sorry, Scott. That's fine. Chris, Chris supported you with it, so it's cool there. Uh, yeah, no shortage of, of starting pitchers to add uh, from this weekend. Some bullpen information. Jake Diekman picked up his second save of the season on Friday. So Lou Trevino got the first two. Jake Diekman um, now has the last two saves for the Oakland A's. He is 25% rostered. Any read on this Oakland A's situation? Uh, no, I, I thought... No, not really. I, I didn't look at the play-by-play to see if it was a bunch of lefties lined up for Diekman and that 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 most recent one. I know it kind of was in the first of the two. Would you guys rather have Diekman or Rafael Dolis? Dolis. I'm leaning that way as well. I feel more confident he'll get the the next save opportunity. But I'm not exactly sure Dolis is good, is the thing. He did get five saves toward the end of last year. Like I think I think Trevino and Diekman both are good. And like whoever pulls ahead, I do feel like one is going to pull ahead eventually, just because I feel like that's true for most every bullpen. I, I think I'd rather have either of the A's relievers than than Dolis. For the Red Sox, Matt Barnes allowed three earned runs in a six to two game on Friday, but then bounced back on Sunday with a clean inning for his fourth save. Uh, Rollis Chapman got his fourth save of the season on Friday. Jonathan Luizaga was used on Saturday because Chapman had pitched three of the last four days. For the Braves, Will Smith picked up his fourth save on Friday. Rice Iglesias allowed three runs, took his second blown save on Friday, also bounced back on Sunday to pick up his third save. Hector Neris allowed a walk-off home run and a tie game on Friday in Coors Field, and then he bounced back on Saturday and picked up his third save for the Royals. Greg Holland was activated off the IL Saturday, so he got placed on the aisle Friday with, I guess he was like a close contact or something like that, but uh, he was activated Saturday and then Josh Stallmont picked up the save, his first of the season. So, I mean, did you guys see anything about this? Why Holland was activated but not used on Saturday? Because this is another frustrating situation. Well, well this, and then this is the most frustrating, yeah. I would say, because well, I think they actually set a record for the, the most different relievers to get a save. Uh, or they tied it or something um, at the start of the year. So, like, they're, 
Mike Matheny, I think, is being intentionally noncommittal, and I'm not confident that they're ever going to settle on a guy. I still think the odds are better than not because we're, what, one-eighth of the way through the season? So there's still, there's still a long time for roles to develop. But Holland was awful in his last appearance. Three on runs, two home runs. Um, his ratios don't look good this year. Like I, I don't... I don't think he's going to end up being the guy. I think Stalmont has a better chance. I'm trying to uh, figure out. To, today, they were up 2-0 heading into the top of the ninth. They scored two runs, and then Wade Davis pitched the ninth. But I don't know if Wade Davis was already up and was going to pitch the ninth, or uh, I, I can't see. I haven't seen anything on that, so I don't know. Okay, so according to the Elias Sports Bureau, the Royals joined the 2019 Mariners, actually a team from two years ago. <laughs> They're the only team since the save became an official statistic in 1969 to have six different pitchers record a save within the team's first 19 games. Kenley Jansen picked up his fifth save of the season on Saturday. He was not used on Sunday, I assume, because he was, he's been used quite a bit recently. Uh, Jimmy Nelson came in in the ninth inning, and he went on to blow the save for the Dodgers. Uh, the Cardinals this weekend, Giovanni Gallegos had a two-inning save. That was his first of the season on Saturday. And then Alex Reyes got his fifth save of the season on Sunday. To stream or not to stream, wrap up here with, uh, we'll start with Monday and then we'll hit Tuesday as well. I'll give you guys, uh, what do I have here? Six names. You give me your three favorite. Davey Garcia at the Orioles. Brad Keller at the Tigers. Spencer Turnbull versus the Royals, Rich Hill versus the A's, Austin Gomber at the Giants, Anthony DiSclefani versus the Rockies. Number one, Anthony DiSclefani versus the Rockies. They are last in the majors in weighted runs created plus right now, and it's the first game after a homestand at Coors Field. Rockies offense is going to stink. Get Anthony DiSclefani in your lineups. I think he's pretty good. So there. A strong take for the first time in three years on to stream or not to stream. I appreciate it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Anyone else that catches your eye from this group? I'll, I'll go Davey Garcia, number two at Baltimore. I think I'm actually going to go Austin Gomber at uh, San Francisco's number three. Brad Keller at Detroit is enticing, but he's just gotten, he's just been rocked. Yeah, it's not, it's not worth the risk. On Tuesday. I think I go Keller over Gomber, but yeah, I agree with the rest of that. On Tuesday, we have Jake Junis at the Pirates, Tyler Anderson versus the Royals, Adrian Hauser versus the Marlins, Michael Waka versus the A's, Jose Quintana at the Rangers, and Aaron Sanchez versus the Rockies. Uh, I can't seem to manage a strong opinion about this one. <laughs> I think Junis is probably the most interesting. Yep, Junis at Pittsburgh. I'll go Tyler Anderson versus Casey as my number two. And uh, Hauser, if I have to pick a third, I guess. I'll, I'll go Aaron Sanchez versus Colorado as a third. All righty. For Scott and Chris, I am Frank DeGill for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. 
because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.